This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. This episode is brought to you by craftbeer.com, home of the most powerful brewery locator in the universe. Whether you're traveling in a new city or planning your next beercation, head to craftbeer.com and explore the wide world of American craft beer. Want to support small and independent breweries? Look for the independent craft brewer seal when you search. Hey everybody, it's John Hall, the senior editor of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, and maybe you heard about this. On November 21st, the day before Thanksgiving this year, an anonymous poster took to Beer Advocate to air a laundry list of complaints against who they said was a former employer, Trillium Brewing Company. The brewery, founded in 2013, should be no secret to our readers and listeners. It's not a stretch to say that it is one of the top hazy IPA producers, as well as many other styles that have kept a finger on the pulse of trends, and in some cases, starting it themselves. In the post, which tagged owner and founder J.C. Tetro, who's now sitting across from me, laid out uh, that when operations moved to a new location where we're sitting right now, some employees uh, were offered the same job they had at their original location, uh, but for less dollars per hour. The poster then went on to talk about how the brewery had poured straight tequila into kegs for a Mexican sunrise beer, and then the poster goes on to talk about how stale kegs, low-fill bottles, uh, were used in frozen beers at the brewery, uh, or as samples, or as growler fills. And the reaction was swift, and to quote the poster immediately after the original, savage. Sometimes in beer these things come and go, and sometimes they linger. It's been not even a month yet since that post, and JC, this hasn't gone away. Um, you know, but you and the brewery have done a lot to remedy the issues brought up. So first of all, thanks for coming on the show. Cheers, John. How did you first find out about this? Uh, you're tagged in it, but were you alerted to this post? Uh, did you see it yourself? Was it? Uh, I had some uh, some friends say uh, you should probably check out what's what's being said about you guys um, on BA right now. So yeah. I did. I went to go take a look at that. What was your initial reaction? Uh, I think I think uh, is a. I, probably the the best word is uh, very just very disappointed. Yeah, I think um, I think that there's um, you know just like with any kind of good salacious story, there's an element of truth to some of it, and um, depending on what your uh, maybe what your narrative or preferred narrative might be, that's um, how you can kind of bend that element of truth to to kind of fit that narrative. So, so it was tough from the inside looking out at that and um, kind of wanting to have a human conversation with people about it. Um, but that is unfortunately not possible um, on Internet forums, uh, Facebook pages. And yeah, it just wasn't going to be possible. So we had to kind of back down from that discussion. Were these things. Do you know this poster? I. I. I can't say for certain, but I think I do. Okay. Yep. But this yep. was never brought to you personally? No. no okay. No. So the first time you were hearing about uh, at least this, this this person's issues was when they chose to tag you on, on Beer Advocate and sort of air it 
publicly. Yeah, sort of the kind of the, the litany of stuff for sure. Um, I, I had heard through the organization that there were some um, some folks that were not happy with how things went with the transition from the uh, from the original Congress Street location to to the new uh, to the new spot here in Fort Point. Um, and I had actually started kind of calling folks and kind of sitting down with people to understand, well, what do you mean didn't go well? And just kind of understand it a little bit better. And we're sort of in the process of digging in and having those human conversations with people. Um, and we're already working on a path to make sure that those things didn't happen or um, misunderstandings were cleared up and um, helping us to get better at what we do with our team. Um, and then it kind of just... <laughs> took its own life it did um so when you say disappointed is it where does that disappointment lie when you were first reading that is it in yourself is it in the organization isn't it in this person in the way that they chose to do this like uh yeah i mean sort of the confluence of events that allowed that to be a possibility yeah i guess is is the way it's not it's no one thing um and i and uh I, i am very very um I want to be able to stand in front of the whole team and kind of take the responsibility for everything that we do always and ever. And that's, that feels right to me. Um, but at the same time, we do have a, a big team here and we're all people and we're all not perfect. And we will all always, <laughs> today, we're going to make a whole bunch of mistakes because today is another day, you know? Um, <laughs> I know and that, And yeah. yeah, and it's, the how we got to where people were questioning our integrity and intentions. Um, that's, that's the most important thing to me to try to figure out. And those are the things that we are having those, uh, those discussions with our, our team, um, to make sure that we never get back to that point where, um, that, that assumed narrative skews to the, the worst possible place instead of, um, Hey, I should probably ask cause this doesn't seem or feel right. I should yeah. just, we should talk about it. Um, and that is going to make sure that we never are in that situation again um, for our own, for our, for ourselves. But anybody that chooses to be chooses to be part of this team, that's that's always going to be the most important thing for me. Um, and then, yeah. So, what was the evolution from the original Congress Street location to here when it comes to the issue of employee pay? Um, I think one of the uh, one of the one of the points that we we kind of found tough for us is you know we we do we do and did view our um, quote unquote retail team, which is a bit of a misnomer in our case, uh, to be service folks. I mean, they were spending a lot of time with individuals, not always, but, you know, some people just want to kind of just pop in and grab a few four packs or bottles or whatever it might be. And they knew exactly what they want because they're regulars and they're here all the time. Mm-hmm. But we get a heck of a lot of visitors um, from all over the world and, you know, um, first time, only time, and they want to spend some time. And we, we, um, we kind of had our team um, happy to do that and early days we transitioned to basically being an hourly rate to hourly rate plus tipping Mm -hmm. and we had no real appreciation for what that number was going to add up to be and it was it was pretty significant um so i I don't want to say it was inertia but it was just sort of 
how things were working great, everybody was happy, and we continued along that model. Um, at Congress Street? Yeah, Congress Street. And okay. then it carried over into the new spot at the um, new production facility in Taproom in Canton as well. Okay. Yep. But then when you guys came over here, there was the change. Um, there, there was. Uh, we actually did change the hourly rate uh, for new folks that were joining the team from 8 to 5, where the... Uh, the service minimum is in Massachusetts is three thirty-five. Uh, so we we wanted to make sure that people were getting compensated really well, and we're um, it's it's really kind of awesome to see a lot of our front of house team um, kind of being happy and comfortable with the hours and the in the uh, and their compensation and you know buying houses and having kids and kind of living their lives, and that was really. Um, that was cool for us to see that. And it's like one of our, I don't really talk about those kinds of things, but those are the things that Esther and I get really excited about is when people choose to uh, kind of set their lives up around Trillium mm -hmm. and to have um, people on our team um, being able to do that more and more so every day is, that's like a huge victory for us. And like whenever somebody comes, it's like, oh, we just closed it in our house. It's like, it's the coolest thing in the world. Sure, but that, <laughs> but that also seems like it's counterintuitive to, yeah. to dropping the hourly rate. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, the, so to that point, the um, the there was there's always the issue across an organization, particularly one that's kind of growing as quickly as we did. And we're, you know, going from three people to 20 to 60 to now a little under 300. There's always a consideration of parity across an organization. And um, boy, the front of house team, their their take home, their total conversation was kind of zooming to the moon there, um, and it was getting you know parity was getting out of whack for the for the rest of the team. Even though the rest of the team were continuing to bring their compensation up, it was just it was disproportionate because of the volume of business that we were um, doing through the through so the front hours of house. and tips. You mean? Uh, well, just kind of the volume of beer, right? Okay. So it's like you know having a lot of people come through, mm -hmm. just a large number of transactions. Um, that's kind of what happened there. Okay. Yeah. So even though we're hiring more people, but the, you know, if the beer doubles and uh, quant, you know, the number of transaction doubles and yeah, that's, but in yeah. some cases though, and it was my understanding that, so at the Canton location, somebody could come in and you were doing, if you were an employee there, you'd be doing merch sales and you'd be doing retail sales and you'd be doing sort of beer samples. You're sort of a jack of all trade. And whereas here, it, it, it didn't split off. Well, we had uh, a tap. Yeah, we have a tap room in Canton as well. Right. Yep. So it's sort of more of a, a flex. It's it's probably how most um, most tap rooms at most uh, small breweries operate. Yeah. Uh, they'll they'll do A to Z. Right. They'll kind of kind of informally greet and inform people about the history of the brewery all the way through kind of more a traditional bartender role where they're doing service and yeah. Okay. Yep. But so. What was your take then when you started to see some of the the backlash of cutting wages or holding back or you know however it was characterized at the time? Sure. Um, you know because there obviously was some thought that you put into it to put these new plans in place, um, but then you started hearing from from folks and you obviously had to think you know rethink it. Yeah. Uh, know, or at least or at least reexamine it. Yeah. So. Uh we, we, like I said, we grew all, quite a lot, and um, I, I I'm, this is not intended to, 
be um, a way to kind of back away from uh, what occurred here because I am responsible for everything that happens here. Um, I we have several layers of management and I was not involved in, in those kinds of decisions and discussions and execution of those things and conversations, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I wish I was, Okay, but that's something that we're going to kind of fix going forward. So then what was your reaction then when you learned about it? Cause I mean, that makes sense. When you have a, a, a company of 300 employees right. or, or thereabouts and you have three locations right. and you're, you know, planning on a, on a fourth that I want to talk about in, in, in a little bit. And you're sort of, you know, to use your words, uh, zooming to the moon right. uh, in, 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 a, in a different way. Like, yeah, you're not going to be involved in every minutiae in the day in and day out. But what was your reaction when you heard like, Oh shit. Like we actually did this. That's, that's uh that's the reaction pretty much you know it's like that's not good so i started kind of asking folks and what had happened and understand a little bit better uh i I think one of the things that people wanted to be able to see because it was kind of like distilled down to a a soundbite that trillium quote-unquote cut wages um it 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 was not it that those are the kinds of things that you need to understand how you got to that point and talk to people and not knee-jerk react and sort of like you know we have we have a lot of people here that need to um um you just have to do things in a kind of methodical way uh particularly when it comes to your to your team and how they think and feel about things so uh yeah it was sort of like stop stop all this you know stop everything we're doing creative energy wise and kind of refocus on what happened how did we get here let's start asking the serious questions questions from a management level uh and talking to our team that were most impacted by this and um, figure out what our next steps are. Um, and, and what did you guys decide? Yeah, I mean, you know, and then the stuff hit, hit like crazy on the internet and yeah. we're kind of, oh boy, I mean, we're already in the process as we are at the end of the year, every year, um, trying to balance out, hey, how did we do this year? Um, did we meet our goals? Did we not meet our goals? Uh, and how do we balance the growth of compensation in a kind of healthy way where we think not just tomorrow is going, not just next year is going, but for the rest of our lives. So Esther and I, um, your wife and co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. Esther and I, just like Trillium is us. We are Trillium and that's what it's going to be for the rest of our lives. So we need to make sure that it is a sustainable thing for ourselves, for our team, for Trillium unto itself. So, uh, that's how we, it's what we do at the end of the year everywhere, sort of in, in that process. Um, and largely um, until until the opening of the new spot. Where when, we are right yeah, now. So yeah. The, yeah. And what are you guys calling this again? This is the Fort Point? Just Trillium Fort Point Fort is what Point. we're calling okay. it right now. It's, it's sort of our, um, you know, we really wanted to set up a, a flagship spot in the neighborhood that supported us from the very beginning. We didn't think it was going to be possible. And just found a really creative landlord that would have us here and invest in this in this project with us uh yeah have you closed canton the original or is that going to stay open congress street, congress the, street. yeah the, sorry yeah yeah the original spot you on guys aren't going to close canton i'm sorry yeah <laughs> the original spot on congress <laughs> it's early and this coffee is delicious but hasn't kicked in yet uh the original spot on congress street is going to um we cleared it out to like make room for overflow storage from from here you can never have too much storage as i found out i've heard yep um and we put together um some improvements the original 
brew house there. Mm -hmm. um, and we're gonna do some very long-term, um, very experimental beers uh, out of that original location. It just like, it did not feel right to kind of walk away from what was our original home. Um, I still get to like the, 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 the twangs of nostalgia when I walk in there, but man, you, you once you walk through there and, and talk about how much beer we made out of that little broom closet of a place, it's, I'm really glad that we're not making beer there regularly every day now. It was really difficult, very difficult. Everything had to be hand loaded in mm -hmm. and out. Every case of beer, every bag of grain, every bag, of, every bit of spent grain, everything was kind of picked up and dropped and picked up and dropped about 40 times. It was pretty intense. What inspired you to get into brewing in the first place? Uh, so I, I have loved um, lots of different things about uh, food and uh, entertaining from as a kid. Like I was, I don't know, I took all the foods classes in high schools and, and when I heard my parents were going to have friends over, I would write a menu and I would execute a dinner for them when I was like 13 or 14 years old. Um, I, was, I still remember some, some of my mom's friends coming over and I made them uh, a dessert, like st a strawberry soup dessert, which had like sour cream in it and just a frozen strawberry thing and um, some homemade shortbread cookies. And I still remember that, being how proud I was of that and just kind of see the expression on their faces. I don't know. This one of the things that people just, you, you know what you love to do. Yeah. And it happens kind of early. Like, well, I also wanted to be a baseball player, but I knew that wasn't going to be possible. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but that kind of, um, that kind of uh, creative energy that went into, uh, into making things for others and seeing, um, seeing people just have a memorable moment with you, even from being just a kid, um, that kind of stuck with me for a long time. Didn't pursue that path. Uh, I kind of found out what the life of a chef was going to be. And that also meant to me that I wasn't going to be able to do something that was even more important to me, which is um, being able to spend time with friends and family. Uh, so I kind of had to say, oh, I'll, just, I'll just do what I do now, and I'll just make food for friends and family at home. Um, and that, that kind of, I had to put that passion, as I think a lot of people do, you kind of take your kind of core passion and you put it aside for more reasonable paths mm -hmm. of career stuff. Um, you know, fast forward a few years and um, I'm living in Boston and I'm trying these cool beers, uh, you know, Sam Smith Oatmeal Stout. Yeah. Just like that was an incredible eye opener type of beer. And um, I was really into making food, just like trying to make sushi myself, go to the Japanese markets in Cambridge. And then um, I just wanted to make things all the time when I got home from work, you know, uh, and eventually that uh, making one making something turned into making beer as well. And that was uh, like fireworks went off in my head the first time that uh, I made a batch of beer. It was, it was an oatmeal, uh, oatmeal stout okay. as well. So you have this obvious, you know, th th this passion and it's grown into, I mean, this sort of freight train, the sort of runaway, you know, success, uh, you know, not only in this area, but I mean, as one of the more sought after brewers in, in, in the country, um, you know, as it were. So I, I can I can totally understand when you start reading some of these things that you take it personally and then you want to respond you know, in kind to sort of show. I guess your your what you hope your 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 true intent is right. So so on the wage thing because we're still on that. Mm. Like you guys have since responded and made some some changes. Yeah, we we had to um, uh, kind of huddle up and and really sift through all that stuff that was being said and um, 
cut through the noise isn't, isn't the right way of saying it, but try to understand the heart of what um, people's concerns were. People who, who really do care and love beer and want Trillium to be what they want us to be, um, which is, you know, just just incredible stewards of, of craft beer in Boston. And I know that, I feel that it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really cool responsibility, but it's a, it's a pretty heavy one too. Um, and to see that, that kind of that polar opposite perception that we weren't that was, um, that was, it shook me a little bit, um, to, to get to that point. So I think that this, um, that this change was, um, in part for that, but also to, to then, as I said before, to try to make sure that we are setting things up, not just for today, not for next year, but for the rest of our lives. So something that's sustainable for Trillium and for um, for the team that chooses to be part of part of Trillium, um, and not to be cool for a couple of weeks and then it gets old. It needs to be something that people can um, plan on and set up their lives around. And, and making that change um, made that possible for that that part of the team. Yeah, that was important for us and uh, changing our plans and working around kind of timelines. And that was certainly something that we're happy to be able to do. So with you said the hourly rate uh, wage in Massachusetts is three thirty five. Three thirty five is okay. the service minimum. Yep. And you raised it to what now for your. Uh, so I think it, it was a range of folks based on tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, 16 to 18, I think. Uh Maybe a little less than that, but um, yeah. So you could probably tell, like, I'm not the one who's actually directly sure. <laughs> responsible for these kinds of things. We have a, 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 a small team of like the finance department and um, HR, and uh, Esther actually takes primarily uh, the, the role of, of that that kind of stuff. What's interesting though is that when 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 I've talked to folks who have been in the service industry, you know, mm-hmm. they are used to the state minimums as it yep. were. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I know there's an article in Beervana that you did with Jeff Allworth, you know, where he was talking about, yeah. you know, brewery wages, uh, as well. And he hasn't really gotten into, to, to taproom staff as well, but, uh, you know, I, I, folks who have worked in restaurants and that's sort of the way that it is. And you, you, you go off for tips and you, you, you do these types of things. And, uh, places that offer above and beyond are exceedingly rare. And, I, I, it, it was interesting to me of just how huge a jump it was, um, you know, more than doubling, you know, tripling beyond, right. uh, to, you know, to, 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 to get to this new number, um, you know, as well. And, and is that something that you think you would have wanted to do all along? Is this solely in response to? Is this I, I'm just sort of curious as to. Because it, it, it almost seems like it's extreme in the in the opposite way, mm-hmm. um, and that there's probably going to be some restaurant folks and some service folks and owners at least who are like, well, what are you doing, man? You're gonna mess this up for you know for some other folks. Well, and then there's labor folks and and, and people who do make an hourly uh, wage who are supporting this and cheering this so that they can you know live where they work and they can you know it's sure yeah yeah I think uh, the kind of the 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 increasingly broader range in the service or tipped in um, compensation model is that's not going to go away. I think it's going to get um, more and more attention and get sort of more and more contentious as well. Um, I don't want to say I took advice from lots of brewery owners or restaurant GMs or other folks that have been in this way longer than we have. Um, 
but I did. I reached out to as many people <laughs> that would pick up the phone and talk to me about this to get the outside perspective, um, to get their reference of what's right for them, what's right for their team, and um, the kind of the universal thing that came back was listen to your team, listen to your team. They will let you know what's what's right for them, um, and we kind of collated that all out into what our decision was. Um, you know, there's there's restaurants in, in Boston that. Um, that have the no-tip model, you know, it's sort of like a service charge and make sure yeah. the back-of-house team gets the appropriate uh, compensation. This is like a million different ways to do this. I wish it wasn't as complex as it was. It's much more straightforward um, because the, it all it all it always comes down to the parity thing. It's like you know, what are you getting compensated at this place versus that place, and what do we um, what do we do that's extra or different, or what are mm-hmm. your hours, or you know. It's, there's there's a pretty complex thing. Ultimately, people, I think, want to feel like they're, you know, fairly or very well compensated for what they do. They've got a voice and they've got um, an ability to help affect positive change in an organization. Because it's not just, I mean, it, 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 money is obviously important uh, for, for survival. Um, but then there's also sort of that sense of community that a lot of breweries have. And when you say listen to your team, uh, in the Allworth article, I, I was sort of struck that uh, there's former employees who are talking about your management office as the ivory tower. And in this beer advocate post, there were, hey, we get all these emails that there's a pizza party down in Canton, but, you know, we were getting nothing at Congress Street or, you know, all these types of things. So, so it did seem like, you know, like down on below uh, or, you know, some of the, you know, the other folks, like they weren't, there wasn't necessarily a cohesion that it sounds like you were, that you're striving for. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so difficult, right? So as I talked about the changes, right, to go from um, a single shop, 2,300 square feet, yeah. where we're basically on top of each other. And then can you imagine the perspective of how that changes? Well, I, I would actually go to the Marriott across the street just so I wasn't like have my laptop on the top of a, a bag of grain or like I had to get out of there when retail opened. So. Well, and you got the hotel points too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then kind of that, that perspective of like living with each other. I don't know, you were, I don't know if you went to, to college or like you had roommates and you, know, you were yeah. in your high school or whatever. It's like, I don't know. The camaraderie that happens—it's it's hard for people to think that I've been educated. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the camaraderie that comes from that is like some of your best friends for your whole life that you're always going to be great friends with come from those like super intense moments where you're like you live with each other, and then that changes so dramatically when um, you don't live with each other anymore and you miss that and you get really nostalgic for that. Uh, I do too. Like I, you forget all the really tough parts about it and you remember all the really good stuff. So. I would love some advice about how to keep that kind of feeling of like we're this tiny little team and we see each other, know each other um, all the time and it changes. Just because I'm not physically there doesn't mean I'm not always thinking about our team, about the beer, about um, how do we grow this thing into something that's sustainable that you can kind of set your clock to and um, you feel good and confident about being able to get married, buy a house and have kids. Yeah. So if you got some advice, let me know. Uh, I think the physical separation is a big thing. Like not being able to look each other in the eyes on a you know on a regular basis, that's a huge challenge. And to have, um, boy, I saw the ivory tower tower thing, and it's like, oh man, that is not what's happening. We we care so much, so much. Boy. Like, oh my god that one cut into you yeah it's like yeah where do you 
I mean, I think it's it's normal as companies get bigger, you know, to sort of you know lose some of that identity um, uh, and 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 some of that camaraderie. Um, if you could go and 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 sort of address the first poster that started all of this, you know, would there be something that you would want to say as far as that camaraderie aspect? Mm, it, yeah, I, mean, I think that the um, you know the narrative, how how things skewed so negative, and how you got to the the assumptions that you made about me as a person and decisions. That we're not, you know, this is a brand new baby company. We're a little over five years old, and the the idea that we were uh, taking all the money that Trillium made and stuffing it into our pockets and twisting our mustaches is like it's not what's happening. We're, we have massive loans for Trillium, and we have. Uh, you know, we've got significant and serious responsibilities that we owe to everybody that's on the team. Um, and we're happy to take that risk and we feel confident and we're like, we're on a great track here. Uh, but to have that, that, that divide, I think is, um, it's an important, it's a very important signal for making sure that people understand Make, our te- make sure our team understands why we're doing what we're doing, when we're doing what we're doing, wh- why the timing of everything is important. Um, and I was talking to, to uh, my John, not, not you, earlier uh, today. And, and um, if, if we decided to stop growing when we were, you know, the, the team of 20, mm-hmm. um, I probably would have jumped off a building by now. It was very intense, incredibly difficult, unbelievably stressful. As, as the kid who liked to be able to have people over for dinner and, like, see the smile on their face, you know, the constant stress of completely running out, running out of beer and seeing lots of, I don't know, it was just, like, really, really stressful. And, um, and I, I probably put too much, too much of that stress on the team ourselves in those early days. Um, but I knew what we were doing was not sustainable from a, you know, a scope and scale sort of thing, but also, like, what is, what is every day like here? Um, it required us to grow, um, and to to do that as a as a wholly owned thing because again we want to do this for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it was very important um, that we did it in a swift way. Along the way, though, you wanted to keep the fans. You wanted to grow your fan base. Uh, you did something like eighteen thousand barrels last year, mm-hmm. uh, and most of that was sold direct to the consumers, like right out of your door, mm-hmm. which is which is incredible. The number I saw was ninety five percent or thereabouts. About that, yeah. I'm not sure if the exact number. Which is, is about that. I mean, for anybody who's ever visited any of your locations, it's not hard to imagine. Uh, you know, just last night being in town, I saw a guy. Uh, crossing the street with you know, four or five cases in his arm, just about to break them as he was running to grab an Uber. Um, you know, it's it, it's in a lot of ways, you know, almost like going to Cantillon where you see the fans come and, you know, trying to stack up as much as they can to fit into their extra suitcases that they brought just for, you know, for the purpose of it. But you said, you know, uh, for your fans, you want to be what, uh, you know, uh, be what they want us to be. Um, and, and that's sort of this, this, this pioneer and, and sort of pushing forward and, you know, having a lot of these, um, uh, you know, flavors that people look for um, in Hazy Juicy and, and, and putting good quality beer in front of them, mm-hmm. which I think 
one of the reactions to that original post was, was so troubling to folks was the accusation of serving old beer or stale beer or mixing kegs or, you know, uh, you know throwing leftovers into a, a frozen slushy machine and, right. and sort of serving right. still at a premium at a premium price. Right. How do you what was your what was your reaction to that? Uh, I think he um, kind of used some information that he had available to him to help to spin the negative narrative that is really unfortunate. We actually involved the whole team um, in quality decisions and sort of a lack of knowledge about how breweries operate. Um, I don't want to I don't want to stand here and say that we've uh, made 100% correct decisions. Um, we uh, hold ourselves to an incredibly high standard and we um, we throw out a ton of beer, a ton of beer. Um, and yeah, we, we put everything through a quality panel, which includes folks from the front of the house, um, uh, and different aspects of, of the team from the brewing team and the seller team. Everybody talks about it. It's not just, again, it's not just JC mm-hmm. sitting in an office, twisting his mustache, trying to figure out how to wrench every last little penny out of every last little thing that we do. That's not what we do. But were there kernels of truth in that occasionally, either out of code or, yeah, you're no. nothing? No. No? No. So, I don't know. So, in the, in the brewing process, um, Trube is a normal kind of byproduct sure. of beer. Yeah. And uh, towards the end of a packaging run, when you don't you know, find and filter your beer, we have a centrifuge, which actually helps cut down on the tube tremendously. Um, and increase yields and quality. Um, there, uh, there can be a very small percentage of tube that can travel into a keg at the end of the at the end of the packaging run, along with the good beer. Yeah. And you uh, put them aside. You let them settle. You pour out the tube, and then you get to the good beer. That's in it, and that's normal. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I called up a bunch of my brewery friends. It's like, hey, just so I'm not feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. That's what you guys do too, right? And like, it was, yeah, of course. This is this is what you do. Um, so I think that anybody who may want to believe the worst can take something like that and say, oh, that you, you put, you put Troub in our, in our growlers, right? you know, it's, just, or it, it's it, it, not true. So I, it, cause what I was sort of struck with was, you know, knowing how these things work, that like, that's not the way that it normally is. Well, and that su- this was, yeah. It's, it's not sustainable. I mean, if we're, if we're going to hold ourselves to high standards and our customers hold us to super high standards. Um, and our team holds us to super high standards. If we were doing the shortcut stuff, if we were dumping in, um, you know, extracts and like flavorings and, you know, uh, a team, a team would kill me if I, yeah. if I said, let's do that. You know, that's not, that's not what we're doing. Well, um, when you mean extracts and flavoring, I, we haven't talked about the tequila, the, the yeah. accusation that you guys were putting bottles of tequila into kegs to impart a tequila flavor. And we, that was a really serious accusation. I mean, yeah. that has legal ramifications to it if... Sure. I mean, what was your response to that when you saw that? Yeah, I think, um, like I said before, there is a lot of misunderstanding about how and why and what we do. Um, I mean, if, if Trillium was spiking their beer with uh, spirits... You'd see a heck of a lot more barrel-aged beer coming coming out of us. I think we have somewhere in the order of 1,500 individual barrels right now, and um, uh, we were relatively late to doing the 
uh, clean spirits, barrel-aged mm-hmm. stuff, and um, kind of we wanted to separate our wild program from our clean barrel clean barrel program, so we were late with that. Um, that's why you haven't seen a lot of barrel-aged, clean barrel-aged beers from us, so I don't know. I, I, I do wish that we could get in front of the team a little bit more regularly and um, do those kinds of things, so it's part of where our internal education program is really going to spearhead and um i i spent i spent some time putting together brewer selection stuff so that we can better inform our customers about how we do what we do why we do what quality is um you know kind of pointing to the to our qa qa lab that's behind us and talking about the team um uh, which is now three strong in the quality department um how beers are made yeah so i i just not to belabor this too much but has there been a trillion beer where straight tequila was poured into it before it was served to consumers? That's, that's not what we do, John. It's it's it is not what we do. Yeah. Okay, but so is that a no? It's that, a no. Okay. Yeah. We don't do that. Okay, and you haven't done that, is what you're saying? Correct. Okay. I just so it, it just sort of struck me as weird that that would be such a specific charge against you guys. And is there any sort of can, can you trace back as to why? this poster would say that in the first place? Like I said, I wish I could talk to the guy yeah. and understand um, w- why he has uh, I don't know. I would like to talk to him, but at the same time, um, we do need to move forward as well. It's uh, It's been, it's been um, a bit of an energy suck for us as well, and we have so much really cool stuff that we're looking forward to here, and um, yeah, the constant the constant kind of support and comments that we get from folks is to 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 don't go on like don't read the comments, you know. Sure. Oh, I, I firmly believe that as well. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah. As, yeah. As somebody who writes a lot and yeah. has a lot of comments coming, sort of yeah. like the, the 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 gotcha stuff and sort of the the uh, the the narrative to put to put Trillium, um, you know. In, in one aspect, it, it's the same sort of stuff that kind of put us where we are. Yeah. But it can also um, rally a group around wanting to tear us down from that as well. So that, that's what I'm really sort of curious about. And, 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 I, and I think about this in craft beer quite a bit, that there is the vocal minority, right? If, if 13% of beer drinkers identify as, as craft... There is a, a half percent that is the rabid, rabid fan, maybe, you know, or maybe it's a percentage, but a rabid, rabid fan base. But they are also the loudest and, and, and often seems to be the tail wagging the dog. And and hmm. quite oftentimes some seems to be um, keyboard warriors who are fighting just for the for the sake of fighting. And I, you guys have been no stranger to. I don't know, rough patches, you know, and uh, yep. what, 2014, you guys were suspended for a month or closed for a month yep. um, for not renewing your brewer license. Earlier this year, there's a worker who was injured. Um, how, how is he, by the way, the, the, the guy who was burned at the Canton facility? He's great. He, he does a lot of, um, a lot of work with us. Um, Still like, coming back now? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. No, he's, he's fantastic. Um, so, yeah. But, so you've had some huh. of these things where you guys have been through a meat grinder, you know, through, you know, uh, the state closing you down through OSHA investigations through, you know, the internet yelling at you, uh, you know, you know, fan wise, even if you don't read the comments, you're hanging out at your places enough. And do you see the break in between 
internet reality and reality reality when it comes to how the real world has been receiving all of this? Well, I don't know. I mean, everything's real, right? Okay. Everybody's important. Uh, well, they're two every, separate buckets. Sure. Though. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a dichotomy. Um, um, what I've found is that very very few people are ambivalent about this, and that's kind of what one of the cool things I took away from all of this is that um, uh, beer fans are they care so much. They need for it to be. Um, they need it to be not what the rest of the world is. Uh, and that's important. And that's why Esther and I want to make sure that we own this for the rest of our lives so that we're not being forced to make bad decisions about our team or about the beer, or about the place and about the future. Um, and we're lucky that we've got the support from, uh, from our customers and from our team to be able to allow us to make that decision. Yeah. Some people don't have the financial ability to, to be in that situation to, to say, you know, just kind of put your hands on your hips and say, this is ours. We're going to be able to take this um, and make sure we protect it from the evils of the world. You know, uh, we're, we're very, feel very, very strongly about that. Um, I, I want to make sure that um, kind of the most cynical or most pessimistic person out there um, with enough time uh, is going to recognize that the integrity that we have for what we do every day shines through. Um, maybe it's not their perfect vision of what for what beer sh- uh, any given beer should be, but how we approach um, every day, uh, that piece, that integrity piece shines through. Have you maybe like the foamy freeze thing is not their thing? Yeah, right. But man, a lot of people think it's fun. Like, beer is supposed to be fun, right? So. That's really fun, and we're going to do it because it makes me happy, and it makes um, a pretty good number of people who come to visit us really happy. Uh, some people are just like hardcore old school folks who just want a really well made lager. For, for the record, I've come around on it. <laughs> um, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's easy to be cynical about yeah. that sort of stuff, but yeah. man, I, I keep coming back to the beer supposed to be fun. Let's do fun stuff. Have you changed your perfect vision for what this company can be? In light of the last three weeks, so it's the perception of, of uh, for myself about what my role and my, what my responsibilities are um, changes and evolves all the time. And yeah, there there's there are certain moments that um, rapidly you know, it's a rapid pace of or an, or an inflection point or whatever you might say. Um, and there's a there's a lot of growing up that happens when um, when things go really really well. And when things don't go well, uh, it is a, a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of, um, you know, what are we doing with this thing? Where is it going? Um, I want to make sure nobody gets hurt in this process uh, and make sure that everybody can have the best possible time when they when they come visit us and uh, when they join the team. And one of the things that's, going forward. That's probably the most important thing that I have on my shoulders right now uh, when it comes to Trillium and to not, to balance, you know, the, the kind of the fallacy of a balanced life, right? To make sure that that doesn't, uh, interfere with me as a uh, as a son or a husband or a father. Um, that is uh, always a struggle. Always a struggle. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of people who are probably nodding you're, along. You're a dad, uh, right, right, John? I am. Uh, yeah, dad. 20 months now. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, there's a lot to there's a lot to balance certainly, yeah. um, you know, and always a, a lot to you know look forward to on on both personal and professional fronts. And for for you guys professionally, uh, the farm in Connecticut 
is mm-hmm. something that you've been now talking about for the last couple of months. Uh, but in light of this, I, I saw in one of the articles, um, uh, because of the change to your budget now with, mm-hmm. with uh, the new wages going through stuff, you might have to hold off on those plans uh, longer than anticipated. So, so um, the first sketch that we ever put together for Trillium wasn't in a 2,300 square foot uh, busted out concrete building in the middle of the city. It was on a piece of farmland. Um, so you kind of have to you have to start at the end. So the original the original concept for what Trillium was going to eventually grow up to be. Um, and we first looked at that farm probably about three years ago as a bit of a let's take a look around to see what's possible um, in the area uh, in the in the area of, of New England where Esther and I were married. Um, to see what farms might be available. We saw that spot, and it was like, ooh, that, that, that looked unbelievable and also completely out of reach for us. Uh, and three years right now in craft beer time is dog years, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's really like 10. Um, so um, that, it's still there. It's not going to go away. I think we um, our, our change in the approach there is going to be um, the perspective of, our lifetimes. I keep I, and I keep kind of talking about that. Yeah. But um, Trillium is going to uh, outlive me, and I need to make sure that it is um, it's set up for. Hopefully, our kids want to take it uh, later on. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. That it's 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 a lot bigger than than me as an individual person. So I think um, the, the to to make sure we take care of our team and set that thing up. Um, for right now and for the long haul um, and the, the business will tell us what, um, what's possible and of, of my giant wish list of everything we want to do on the farm if all I ever get to do is have a little, a little greenhouse and uh, grow some ingredient for a couple special beers and we have a few goats then that is that's a pretty cool box to that's check. where you want to start yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's, if that's all we're able, that's all you can, to, all, yeah. if that's if that's all we're ever able to do. Hope, hopefully, we can do more than that. Um, but you had a timeline, right, for when you wanted to open. Is that is that now suspended, we, or is that we we were kind of just starting the uh, sort of a master planning process and starting with that big long wish list of everything that we hope to be able to do one day, um, and then you have to go back and say, all right, how much does it cost? Mm-hmm. How much infrastructure do you need? How much how much power is in the in the power lines out in the street? Um, starting discussions with neighbors and farmers and the community around you it is not it's not something that you can just kind of uh, you know phone up an architect draw this draw this out get a contractor to give you a quote and then just start building it it's it's um, I mean, it's far more complex than that so um, the the piece that changed in that master planning process is the available available money in, yeah. the, in the in the near term and it changes projections and it changes a whole bunch of stuff um the exact change is still yet to be known um other than we just you know it's going to take longer yeah um and it may not be able to get to that full wish list but I, i've I, how could you ever imagine or ever thought possible that trillium was going to turn into this when we first started when i started as a home brewer working doing this in my spare time We've already accomplished more than we could ever have possibly imagined. So, um, to change a spectrum of, of what of what that wish list was was gonna be, 
or could be, that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. When you talk about you know these rocket ships to the moon, or you know I said freight trains, and, and you guys, and you had these blinders on. You're, I mean, you guys were running a million miles a minute, as it were, and so much was happening so so fast. Like it really is sort of incredible to think about Congress Street when it first started to you know this this sort of you know mini empire that you have right now, uh, and this global recognition and all of that. And you're obviously learning a lot about the brewery, your staff, yourself. Um, basically because uh, the emergency brake was pulled on this train and you had to sort of force to stop. So I'm, I'm curious if you've had conversations with other brewers who have seen similar success who might be starting to, to, to ride the tip of that wave, um, you know, like you did at, at, at some point as well. Because people, you know, certain generations of brewers look to you uh, as a model that they want to follow, um, you know, as a, as a standard that they want to, 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 to emulate. So I'm wondering, it, it, what have you learned that you would try to tell them as they're starting to ride this right now, as we start to, we start to wrap this it's, up? It's always, it's always a bit, maybe it's because I'm too close. I'm like on the inside of this thing. It's like super strange or weird for me to hear you call it an empire or like a rocket ship. Like I, 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 like I, I know it, but it's always a strange thing for me to hear that, you know? I'm just probably too close to it. Um, I do, uh, I do know that there was a bit of a, a lightning strike opportunity for us. It was the right, right beer in the right city, in the right neighborhood, in the right quantities of beer, and the, the right everything. That um, if if you tried to copy and paste this thing somewhere else at a different time with the you know the same everything else, it would not have worked. Um, so I try to give folks advice who ask me. Um, none of this was a plan, if I'm, if I'm honest, you know. We, we, we tried to usher it and kind of like, you know, just respond as best we could in the moment, in the day, in the year, as we could. Uh, and lar largely was driven by the concept, I don't want to run out of beer so that people come to a locked door. I mean, what a bummer if you are excited yeah. and you're traveling and you um, maybe even set up a vacation around coming to visit a brewery or getting in a car with a bunch of your friends and you arrived to a locked door. That is, oh my God, that would heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, horrible, horrible thing. So that, that was something that we um, kind of like, I don't know, you, you make intraday decisions around that kind of thing. Uh, coupled with the need to make sure that you've did your best to live up to their expectation for what they came out for in the first place. So it's sort of like a twofold approach to, to those kinds of things. Um, yeah, tons of brewers ask me for, uh, for advice and um, how did you get from two 10-barrel fermenters and no keg washer and a floor that slopes away from the drain to, to what to what you have now and everybody's path is super unique mm -hmm. in that way and whether the community around you wants that from you or not that's what you need to listen to and understand that um, um, and each each small decision that's in front of you it does stack up to what you eventually will become um, and the hard truth is not all communities want what you have to offer for some for some people 
Um, and it's important to recognize that. And what, if you're honest with yourself about, uh, about that piece, I think you're gonna save yourself and your, and your customers a lot of heartache. Um, and you're not gonna have to make bad decisions around selling or making beer that you don't wanna make, um, things that don't feel right to you. Uh, I think the honesty piece comes through in a lot for a lot of breweries and a lot of breweries um, decide to not be honest with, with themselves and do what they think is right for themselves and what people want from them. Um, and that, that's, all, that's a kind of a key piece of advice that I give people that, to ask. Like, yeah, people do say, hey, how, how do I become you? How do I go from that to you? Sure. Like, that, but, I, I mean, you I should become you. I couldn't, yeah, yeah, like I couldn't become me again if I tried it over again. It just like, wouldn't happen, and I know that. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the sort of ego to say, oh, I built this thing myself. Nope. The craft beer community in the city of Boston built this and mm-hmm. they just did my best to, to kind of provide that. Um, the, uh, it's, it's really, it's really, I think what's really incredible about new breweries that are kind of coming through is like you see that kind of personal expression and what it is that they want to be able to provide. And I think that the, the craft beer community can also sniff out when uh, people are not being genuine and honest as well. Um, the, that's one of the things I've been struggling with and one of the reasons why I said yes to when you asked me yeah. <laughs> to, come, to, to kind of talk to you. Yeah. So I think that uh, I, never, I never also wanted to be a famous guy. And that does not interest me at all. I, I want people to like what we do, and I want people to um, to think of when I go to have a celebration of my, my birthday or whatever it might be, I, I want to drink Trillium beer, and I want to go to that place and have the most special moment. Um, and I, uh, that has nothing to do with me as a person. Like I, I never wanted to be a famous dude. In, in beer or any other other way. You are part of the first name club, but yeah. It's super weird for me. If, Yeah, it's weird for me. Um, but now, it's Im- I think it's important for our team, and I think it's important for, for, for Trillium's health that, um, that they can have an opportunity to, to hear from me as a person. Because... Trillium and JC and Esther are inextricably linked together. It's as not, you said, we are Trillium. Yeah, Trillium is us. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not this kind of uh, anonymous company with shareholders and the need to meet a quarterly earnings report. You know, people want to know that their beer is coming from a good place. So, um, I wish I could open up my heart in my head to show you that it is coming from a good place and that's not possible. So, um, uh, getting out of the brewery and talking to people and having human conversations with people, if that is a path toward um, people feeling good about beer again and specifically feeling good about Trillium again, um, that's an important thing for me to be able to focus on. Not just talking, uh, not just talking on podcast sure. like it's kind of why when <laughs> on the facebook post is i put up when this this thing first hit the initial BA, response like obviously this conversation is not going to go well online um so I, I like i i went to the brewery to try to talk to people who are truly concerned about this thing and wanted to have a discussion about it and ask me questions be able to look me in the eye and talk about these things it's like are you really are you really putting bad beer in my growler you know like come come take a look this is how we do it 
uh, let's go look at the barrels up on the mezzanine and you know look this isn't this one's filled with bourbon and this one's you know it's like we're, we're, we're not bad people um, I can understand why people may have that perception from the information that, that was given to them but man um, I want to make sure that people know that that, that this beer in this place is coming from from uh, from some good folks and that's something that you're going to have to I guess continue to do it's good business practice no matter what but there's sort of a in, in some ways I guess a renewed focus of just getting out and talking to people more and community building because if you you're saying you're gonna do this forever and you know I know yeah. that there's a lot of people who hope that you do right um, you know you have to continue to sort of build off of this foundation and in some ways like this was a you know a good way to get on that path of yeah yeah so like uh, if we were drawing a straight line of trillium right now like has there been like a deviation at all in in sort of the philosophy or the approach or do do you hope or is this a does the line just get thicker because you're more intense does that make sense mm, uh it just becomes um uh, we talk about all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as a team, as, as a husband and wife, is like how do we how do we usher this thing forward? How do we make sure that people uh, feel good and feel supported? And there's no playbook for this stuff. And uh, maybe coupling my lack of desire to be at the front of this thing, uh, be very public about it, is not what would be best for the for the team and for the company. Um, and where I have otherwise focused the majority of my energy towards the early days and how uh, we got to this place, that has, that has evolved so rapidly that that is not a sustainable approach um, for a lot of different reasons. So uh, it's the inflection point stuff that I was talking about before and, and watching that rapidly evolve. And, um, yep, sometimes uh, stuff like this is a, is a wake-up call, kick in the butt, pulling the rug out, all those different sayings, um, but has has brought more, a bigger percentage of, of my attention to this sort of stuff. JC Tetro, Trillium Brewing Company, thanks so much for sitting down and sharing your story and setting the record straight uh, from, from your end, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thanks. Uh, if you have questions for us, uh, guests you'd like to hear, uh, questions you'd like addressed on the show, you can reach me directly at John Hall at beerandbrewing.com or join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Uh, you can also go to beerandbrewing.com where you can subscribe to the magazine, find homebrew recipes, and learn more about the craft beer scene that's happening in America and around the world right now, uh, including stuff from JC, uh, who's been in the magazine uh, several times. Uh, I hope you'll come back on and we can talk about uh, beer and processes and ingredients uh, the next time. Cool. Thank you, John. All right. Thanks so much. Cheers. This episode was brought to you by craftbeer.com, home of the most mouth-watering map in the world, the map of U.S. breweries. If you find yourself in a new city and want to sample the local flavors, or if you just want to marvel at the vast American beer landscape, visit craftbeer.com. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.